Good morning again. Thank you so much for being here. Um, one of the things that you've seen each week as we have gathered here, um, we've been in a series called Christmas by Design. Um, and each week as you've gathered with us, you've seen some of what our uh, student ministry has been up to. Um, some of the videos, uh, you, you've seen two videos so far. Um, this week it was uh, the high school guys' turn. Uh, Ethan told me to kind of tell a little bit about uh, what they've been doing. And, uh, and just before this video plays, there's only a couple of guys in this video, and I just want to say as a disclaimer, uh, one of them is my son. Uh, I have three sons, one of them, and, I, and I am not an advocate for putting your own kids out there. Um, but I felt better after I previewed it because clearly he graduates this year and of all the things people ask him, son, you know, Connor, what are you going to go do? We have figured out that Hollywood is not on the list. Um, I think he does a solid job, uh, but clearly um, you, you know that we'll be around this area for a little while longer at least. Uh, but this is, this is some of what our student ministry has been studying and been up to this, this Christmas season. Hi, I'm Caden. I'm a junior here at RFCC. Hi, I'm Connor. I'm a senior here at RFCC. Over the past month, we've covered the Christmas story and the different sacrifices characters have made over the first Christmas. This past Sunday, we covered the wise men and the different gifts that were made to Jesus. To set the stage, we're going to start in Matthew 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the, G where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. After hearing the king, they went on their way and there it was, the star they had been they had seen at its rising. It had led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they... Wait, what does the M stand for? Messiah. Oh... Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Wait, why would they give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Those aren't even baby gifts. Gold was a gift meant for a king, frankincense was a gift meant for a deity, and myrrh was a perfume used in burials. Oh, so the gifts mean that Jesus is our king, our God, and that one day he'll die for us. Yeah, exactly. So the true meaning behind their gifts was to give their worship. Oh, I wonder how we can do the same. Well, that's the end of the video. Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we, uh, man, it's, and Ethan just finished his first year, and if you wonder what he's been up to, he's not been wasting any money on props for videos. We know this to be true. Uh, I did try to coach up my son a little bit after I saw the video. I said, son, I said, if they, get, if they tell you to, to, to look at someone, uh, you don't always have to look deep into their soul, uh, especially from the side like that. That was, that was a completely right angle turn. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been great. Um, they're going to be meeting today. This is actually the last time they're going to be meeting until 
uh, for a couple of weeks, uh, but can't wait to meet with those students again today uh, because they really are grabbing grabbing hold of the truth of Scripture uh, this Christmas, and they're, and, they're, and they're having conversations. They're talking about um, some of these sacrifices, some of these things to really change the way they think and the way they see, uh, they see Jesus this Christmas. Uh, we are going to be, again, in Luke 2 this morning. Uh, we're going to pick up exactly where we left off last week. If you remember, um, the last, really kind of the last main thing that we saw last week was the, just the humility of Jesus deserving all glory and all worship. Um, it really could have remained, as Scripture says, could have remained in heaven by right, but he did not, he, he didn't look at the opportunity to come to earth himself um, to, to redeem us as something that was beneath him, uh, that was not part of his plan, but, but to God's glory, to his credit, to his attention, um, and, and for really our joy and our good, Jesus, God himself, came and was humbly born in, in a stable, in a manger. And the last thing we looked at last week is how that offered the invitation for the shepherds to be able to see Jesus. Because had, had there just been one room in somebody's house, and remember, it's, it's not Bethlehem Hotel. Um, it, it would have been houses of people that Joseph would have known, would have been in his family. They would have had single rooms that they would have rented out during times like this. And, and not one room was found open and available for them. But, but had even just one room been found open and available, because of how the shepherds were seen and perceived and thought of, they would not have been welcome it just rolling into someone's house. If they had showed up at, the, at that door and had knocked, they, they wouldn't have been welcomed inside. But, but God's plan is that he is willing, praise the Lord, to, to really go to where the places are that we exist, that we live, that we, we are welcome in, and we can easily come in the doors to those places to be able to hear God's truth, to be able to know that he's real, know that he loves us, and know that he has a plan for us. Um, so that's where we left off, and, and we're going to see um, really the announcement that the shepherds were given that started the process, the, the opportunity that they had just to begin to go and to look for this baby that they were told about. Verse 8 in, in Luke 2 is where we're going to pick up this morning, and it starts out this way, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Now, before we keep going with this story, I want to tell you a few things about shepherds. Um, I think sometimes we talk about shepherds and we just kind of end with, well, you know, dirty, smelly, not a great job. But, but when you look at a shepherd's lifestyle, there were some really critical things that they um, had to endure or they had to really, um, that, that they had to have as not part of their life that, that really made them a, a, a unique class of individuals. First thing I want to um, tell you about this morning is um, when, when you think about the shepherd's schedule, the fact that they had to work, they were on call 24-7. The, the, the job of watching over sheep and protecting them never ended. Um, and, and we think of, because we've heard the New Testament talk about how Jesus is our shepherd, so we kind of tend to glorify that 24-7 job. But in their culture, because of the hours that they worked, they would not be able to practice the same religious ceremonies that all other Jews would have been able to practice. They would have been left out of certain times of worship. They would have been able to. They would have not been able to prepare certain things that were that were really required for certain religious celebrations and sacrifices. So, on 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 the front side, immediately we we see that even as a Jew, as somebody that that would hopefully be able to identify as a child of God, as one of God's family, they're already somewhat excluded from just this idea of worship and participation in their faith. Um, they, they generally, because of their lifestyle, 
were considered unreliable. They, they just kind of developed this, this mantra of you know, these are just not trustworthy individuals because so many people would not opt for this job, right? I mean, if you, if, you, if, you, if you had a job to get done and it was just the dirtiest, nastiest job, there are certain people that you're going to assume right off the bat aren't going to come in and apply for it, regardless maybe even of what, it's, what it pays, especially if it pays very little. You just assume, I'm not going to get the best of the best applying for this job. And, and that was kind of what carried over when people really thought about them. They also very, very rarely, and, and, and I would say it's so rare that we could kind of almost categorize it as, as, as it just wouldn't be allowed, um, but, but there's, there's little evidence ever that a shepherd um, in a legal court case was, were ever allowed to give testimony that would be upheld. And, and, and in their society, burden of proof was always on personal testimony. Sometimes just one or two people could be enough if they spoke truth about something. They said, yes, I'm willing to say that this is what happened, that they would come in and say, okay, by your testimony, that we're, we're going we're gonna to decide this way. So consider these three things day in, day out of your life, okay? Number one, they were spiritually left out. Number two, they were socially unacceptable. And number three, they were legally inferior. I mean, how, how, where would your thoughts and emotions go about yourself if, if those were the categories that you lived in? If somebody came and said, okay, regardless of your, your family's religious background or your personal faith, you're not going to be able to participate in worship, not corporately. The, the things that we self-identify as our big religious things, you're just not going to be a part of. If just general opinion just lowered you a lot of notches on, on, on the ladder just to say kind of like, here's what we think of great people, here's what we think of just average people, and here's what we think of you just day in, day out. You just knew the looks, you knew the reactions, the eye rolls, the way that they watched you when you were coming through and buying things. I mean, just it was constant. And, and, and even in legal representation, you knew that, that no matter what happened to you, if, if, there was, if there was some kind of business dealings or some kind of crime or something like that, that your word wasn't going to be taken. I mean, that really would set your mind into a certain framework that would be really hard, really hard to get out. Verse 9 continues the story. And, 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 and this is beautiful because, again, in, in, Luke, in, in Luke 1 and 2, if you go through, um, you can circle um, references to God, especially Lord. Um, and and it's, it's over and over. Luke is constantly reminding us that, that the events that are happening is what the Lord is up to. Now, I think for many of us, um, we, tend to, we tend to attribute certain events to God, right? Um, if, if you, uh, this week, um, th- this week we, we had a chance because as, as a church, many of us gave towards Salvation Army and we had a chance to go and actually be part of handing out and putting those gifts in vehicles with families and meeting with them this week. And, and, and when you see something like that at Christmas time or you've been part of helping someone, right? Like you see it and you're like, oh man, this is just, this is God at work through Christmas. But, but you know, when, I don't know about you, but when I'm, and, and I do what I, and I'm doing again this year, what I always commit to. Late Christmas shopping. If you're out over this next week, look for me. I'll stop and talk to you. We'll watch people together. It'll be great, right? But at some point, I'm going to have to rush off because i got to buy some stuff this week. 
And, and, and when I'm out buying this week, the, this, these things are for people that I do know, people that I dearly love. And I won't, be in the, I won't be in the mindset of, oh, this is clearly what God is doing. I'll be like, no, I'm going to throw an elbow if I don't get farther up in this line to check out, right? We, we tend to attribute certain things to, okay, well, that, that's God. But, but Luke clearly, I think, I, stop after stop after stop. Luke wants to draw the attention that, that, that please don't trick yourself to think that any single event, any, any moment in your life is ever outside of the authority of God. And, and, and it's, it's hard to wrestle with because we go, hang on a second, God. I, I, I get the victories. I get the time that, that help um, gets to me at the right, at, just at the right time. I, I get that that's you. But, but these other things, like there surely is a category that's outside of what you're up to. And, and, and really the truth that, that he calls us to really come to him with is, and, and for explanations and understanding is, God, help me understand how all of this is really in your work and in your hands because I don't understand. And we, we, we've talked about that even recently about um, going to the Lord for explanation and not just signs and, and, and not just proof and and, and this actually comes up a little bit in, in a great clarifying way in this passage. It says, Then the angel of the Lord, of the Lord, stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, um, as a gospel understanding, um, I don't know if you have ever been around church or religious people that think they're the only important thing going on they do exist if you've never met them like I'm just telling you they do exist I can introduce you to a few but they'll probably be hard to deal with right um it it tends to kind of sneak into church environments into religious environments people kind of feel like hey this is this is us like this is what we do um we were even just great devotion this past week um, while we went to Salvation Army, to, to, to work with an organization who is about and known for making the name of Jesus great and helping other people. As, as, they, just, as they just set the tone with a devotion before gifts were handed out, man, just out of God's word, out of Matthew, they, they, just, they really relayed the importance of um, it, us as Christians not going for the credit that we don't deserve. And, and, and if we're recognized and we get our 15 seconds of frame fame now that's our 15 seconds of fame like don't we we can't look for eternal reward and and recognition for that because because our hearts were uh, were, were evil they they wanted to get attention for us and how we're called to really make the name of Jesus great and and, and in this moment um, as 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 glorious as this was as as much as the shepherds could sit here and say finally we, we finally get recognized as people worth talking to this is the lord who is up to something and it is happening right here even in that we have the gospel understanding that that as much as this does extend to the shepherds it also extends to the people that were horrible in how they treated the shepherds and this is really outside of what the jews would have expected to be said all people, like the whole earth, yes, that's what God was up to the whole time through the nation of Israel, was to reach all people. And that's what he's still up to now. There's nobody that's outside of who the gospel is aimed at. And as they listen to this, as, as they realize that, that, that this is a message from the Lord, it, it, the, the details start to shape out and start to come through. Verse 11, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, 
who is the Messiah, the Lord. So, so the, the, the key words in that, in that one verse, today, um, God doesn't work God doesn't work in magic times. He, he, he doesn't work once a year. He, he, he doesn't work for just some people. God works today in details of your life and in mine, and tomorrow will be today that God will work in. Um, it, God is always up to something. And, and to clarify what he's up to, he says, this baby that's been born is Messiah. It's, it's the promise of God being born right now. Everything that God has promised and you've been waiting on, deliverance, salvation, all of that, that that's in that M word, Messiah. But just to clarify, and I don't know that they, their brains really took it in at the moment, but it's not just God found a representative to go for him, but, but the word there, Lord, is used as well because this is God in the manger. This, this, is, this is God in the flesh. He did not send someone else to do his work for him. He showed up himself. To live this life, the life that he lived for us. To give his life for us. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped, in cloth, wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Now some translations, older English translations say, um, and on earth, Peace and goodwill towards men. And it's just a, it's a, it's a general cast of good wishes towards everyone. Um, the deeper study over generations and generations of this text is really more accurately translated, not just goodwill towards everyone, but this message and, and, and the peace, specifically peace that God gives, doesn't just go to whoever wants it. It goes to those that belong to him because there's a unique way that peace is delivered, and it's delivered through Jesus, right? It's delivered through Jesus. Now, when we look at this, there's, there's a little bit of a pattern that really starts to build itself up, and that pattern is this, um, and, and we're going to see it in, in how God delivered the message. We're getting ready to see it again in how the shepherd's lives started to live out, and, and these are the details, the design of what Jesus, I believe, is up to at Christmas to help us understand what our lives are supposed to be able to take in and then go be a part of that really flows out from us. The, the very first thing I want, to look, I want to look at this morning is this, um, is that the, the very beginning, that the process starts with, with truth, with the word, a, a message heard. Now, for, 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 at times in life, um, and, and I've caught myself doing this too, um, we, well, I say not we, I don't want to include you in something you haven't been a part of. Um, I, I will say I have noticed a circumstance of my life, and then I've wanted to go then find a truth from God that makes sense of it all. Does that, does that sound familiar? Okay, so that's not our best design. That's not our best design. Will it work? Yes. God's truth is truth. It is there. It is valid. It will help us understand the, the, the seasons and events and circumstances of our life. But, but how are we really um, built to operate the best? We're really built to operate the best by first really receiving truth, receiving the word of the Lord. That's why the Bible really instructs us that, that that's supposed to be a daily process for us. I've noticed in my life, my, the best version of my reactions and conversations and decisions and all that stem from being in the word and, and being a faithful disciple and a growing disciple before events come up, 
right? Like if, if, if I can go to God's word and see how I just reacted to my kids this, this past couple of days wrongly, and I can see where his forgiveness is, I can see where his grace is, I can see where his instruction is, but, but to God's glory, for really him to get glory and, and for me to live in the kind of peace that he wants me to live in, I'm, I'm best built to operate by growing in that first, then handling it correctly in the moment of decision, the moment of reaction. Does that, does that make sense? I hope. Right, so, so what we see first is, is there is a word that's delivered to them, okay? So when that word came to them, um, there, there's a lot of details, and we talked about them there, how personal it was, um, how, how big this plan was that God was working out. It was happening with the shepherds, but it was always bigger than the shepherds, and that's a, that's a great thing for us as believers to really, really lock into our brain. As big as the moment and the hurt and the event is for me, there's always a bigger overarching plan as well that God's up to. And, and if I can see both of those things, that's where, really when I see the Lord working in, in, in the mightiest and the most glorious ways. Now, um, there, there's a second step to this, which is not just what we hear, but then what we see. And, and I want to I use the word specifically confirmation because um, we are people that um, we're drawn to want to see signs. Like, right, you ever said that? Lord, show me a sign. And, and we've talked recently how explanation is, is a better search than just signs, because signs feed pride. But, but again, I, I don't want to cheat what the Lord does, because God does show us signs. He does show us things. But the purpose of those is really seen in really the understanding of what this word really means, because the word sign is what we're reading in English. But, but I want to read you a definition, a little bit deeper, broader, of what this word really means, a sign. It's given especially to confirm, corroborate, or authenticate, and it emphasizes the in purpose which exalts the one giving it. See, that's the purpose of a sign. So when God shows us something, really the signs, the things that we see, are really meant to confirm what? What God's already spoken to us about. And that's why when, 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 I, when, I, when I start with just my frustrating life experiences, that's why it feels like this kind of wrestling match, I think, so many times. Because I'm, I'm really out of order somewhat on what my original design, my best design is in my relationship with Jesus. So the shepherds hear, and then they go because they've heard. They took action based on what they've heard, and then they've seen. They've had it confirmed to them. And then, finally, the last thing that we see is, is really when the angels came and, and, and were such a huge part of it. Um, glory was given. And, and how did glory happen? Glory happened through worship. Glory happened through the telling of the message again. Really saying more about what is God up to. This is the response of what was seen and, and I mean, what was heard and what was seen. And, and that's how the angels delivered it to him. And, and I do think this is so unique. It took one angel, took one angel to deliver the message. But what was the response level? A multitude. We, 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 the sky was full of these other messengers just singing out and praising in agreement. And, and some of the language here tells us that the volume of this would have been more like sticking your head into the engine of an airplane. Like this was not um, little five-year-olds singing sweetly like we had last week at a Christmas play. This was, this was Christmas on blast. And, and I find that so unique because I, I, I look at that and think, okay, what, what is, what's the magnitude of response that I, that I normally live out? 
I, I hear something in a message, I, I read something in a devotion, I, 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 I notice something that God's up to, but, but what really comes out of me? And I think that's where so many times I cheat myself, and, and maybe you've cheated yourself, that, that, that the truth of God's word is supposed to really produce such an amazing response out of our life that, that that's what it turns into, just this real, this, this, this real praise of God and praise of glory in the way that we even continue to retell his goodness and what he's up to. Now, I do want to tell you this. Um, because it does say two things, and it connects them. It's a critical connection. It says, glory to God, verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven, and, 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 and that says that these two things are really supposed to be joined together, and peace on earth to people he favors. Now, there's a big difference between peace and happy. Um, and and, and as, as somebody who does counseling, it's not odd to have someone come in and say, I'm not happy. I don't, I don't know the last time I've really been happy. But, but happiness is a, is a tricky thing. Because I, I can make happiness, even for myself, happen really quickly. Um, when we were at Salvation Army, when I came in, um, the major walked up to me and he said, hey, just so you know, I've got like eight boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts in there. So you know what I did? Happy. Right? Like that was how easy happy was. But you know how happy, how happy ends? I'm looking at the box. I take two. I didn't take four. I took two then at that moment. Um, and I finished the second one. And happy started to fade immediately, right? Because I didn't have three. And, and that's, that, that's how quick happy can happen. It, it can happen when you see someone that you love, you know, but then all of a sudden you walk away. Happy seems like it faded some. So, so this, this scripture is, is really aimed at not happiness, but peace. Because happy tends to be wrecked by certain circumstances. But if it's real peace from God, Try to find something that really is built to take it away. Now, I, here's, here's my testimony. When I lack peace, it's, I, I truly believe it's not, because, it's not because God can't give it or he, or he didn't want to give it to me. I place myself at a point where I choose to not go seek it because I don't go seek him. And I carry my own worries and my own cares, and I don't take them to him. So, so the rest and the peace and the hope, the, all, all those things that are available are, are just still sitting there in the bank, and I'm miserable where I am. And, and, and that that's, tends to be the pattern. But it says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to whom he favors. Now, first of all, that, that comes with this understanding that, that that peace is aimed at people that know him, that are followers of Jesus. So a couple of things that are really key for us to understand. Um, number one, if we want that kind of peace, God must be glorified. We, we can't separate them. Um, I, I can't expect for my mouth to be silent about the, really the greatness of God and my life to ignore it and deny it by my actions and still live in the peace that he can give. I don't have the right to choose to separate those two things. Those have to be in agreement. So when God is glorified, peace on those that know him are available. 
some translations say on those um, on those that have his good pleasure. Um, and, and there's three relationships, and I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think I preached on this last Christmas season. Um, and I, I want to look for a few notes and maybe try to put something out in an email or something this week because I, th- I think this is, this, this is really good for us to understand. There, there's three categories of relationships that when, when God uh, is glorified that we can, we can have confidence that we'll have peace in. We'll have, number one, peace with God. We'll be in a good, healthy relationship with him. The second one is, is one of the most hardest ones, I think, for me. Or the most hardest. That was a lot of extra words in there. Um, it, it's one of the most difficult ones for me to really find. And, and the second one is peace with myself, peace with yourself. And the third one is peace with others. And we can have those three relationships of peace when God is glorified. And, 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 and this is... Really a truth for us to anchor our hearts in. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven. Now, now at this point, here's a, here's a key turning point, okay? So the, so the angels, the messengers, have modeled this thing right for the shepherds. Receive word, have it confirmed, and, and let the glory of God be in the testimony, okay? The worship start and how we retell that story again and again. So, so let's see how they really, how they grabbed onto this. Um, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So, so what are they doing? They are deciding what they're going to do based on the message that God had received them. Let's give them an A, like the gold star. Like this is a good thing. They have taken the truth and the message of God and say, I will act on it. That's a commitment. It says they... They hurried off and found, okay? They found. So now they're, they're, seeing, a sign, they're seeing the sign that was, that was told to them. This is confirmation because this had to be absolutely unbelievable. I don't know what they expected to see when they got there, if they expected there really to be anything. It says they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they, as just as they had been told to them. So we, we see this pattern come up again. Um, they, they heard, they received the message of the Lord, they, they faithfully went to Bethlehem, they took the chance, they went into a city who, 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 where there were going to be people that were, that were not likely going to react well to them all rolling in as a group. I mean, re- remember? I mean, th- these, these are the spiritually left out, the socially unacceptable, and the legally inferior. This was not going to be a welcome group to just roll quickly through the town as they rushed through there. So what does that tell us? That obeying the Lord doesn't have to come with everybody else's cheers and embraces. It doesn't. It doesn't have to. It, it's not required because of what he can do in us. Then they saw everything. And, and, and then we, we see that their response, remember they, they were told, they received it at, at one moment, and then what did they do? Their response was a multiplication. Just like it went from one angel to a multitude of heavenly hosts, it went from one, one announcement, one truth received, then to many conversations. It said in verse 17, after seeing them, 
They reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it, they were telling everything. But, but, but please take note, what did they tell? They told the message. Because the message, of the truth of what God says, is always top shelf information above what my experiences are. And that's so critical, because sometimes I think that we, we, get, we get lost in, okay, to tell my story, I have to give all my details. Well, no, my details of my life are really only supposed to match and confirm the truth of what God says. Because if I tell somebody my story, and I make it about me, well, when their experiences aren't the same as mine, then I'm a liar, and they have nothing to stand on. But if the truth of God's word, the truth of what he says, is confirmed in my life, then they can take the same truth and see it confirmed in their life because it doesn't always happen the same way. When I came to accept Christ, when, 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 I, when I made the commitment in my heart, I knew that the Lord was calling me into salvation. I was at a vacation Bible school at the church that I grew up in. I was in a big crowd of kids, and I was sitting on the end of the aisle, and, and because someone said, if you want to be saved, come up front, I thought, all right, I'm going up front. And I sat down, and I, ha I had a guy sit down with me and thankfully told me that I wasn't saved just because I came up front. And, and, and he walked me through really what the gospel message was. And the best that I can tell you, that's the moment where I really understood this merger of what my mind could grasp about lordship, that Jesus was in control, and that this was an offer that he was making me for eternal life, hope, love, and peace with God through him. Now in this room, I know I'm not the only person that's saved. But when it happened to me, nobody else, no, no, nobody else in here walked that same exact path I did on that day. So what does that tell us? That the truth of salvation is true, but my details are second shelf compared to the truth that Jesus saves. I mean, that's just one of tons of illustrations that we could come up with, how God's worked in your relationships, how he's brought you to a certain place. I mean, the, the, the faithfulness of God, right, the faithfulness of God. When, when, when I look back at my life, I was, as I was riding around last night, I was, I was just thinking back, you know, Lord, how did I even get to hear the gospel based on what I was experiencing in life at that season that I was growing up in. Out of a non-Christian, abusive, rough home, the Lord called my mom into salvation. She found her own way to church her whole life. Married my dad. That marriage did not last long. It did not go well. So I grew up, minus of a father present, who grew up in a Christian home, but, but was not surrendered to Christ. And, and I was left with, 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 with a mom that, that, gen, that decades before learned how to find her way to church as, as a teenager, so she was well-equipped well to take her kids there as well. And that was the church that I heard the gospel in. Like, that's the faithfulness of God, right? But all those experiences are second shelf to Jesus saves. It is his sacrifice that makes it all possible. The stories are beautiful, but, but they have to be led with that, with that truth of God's word. And those must be multiplied in our response. And please understand this. For 
the angels and the shepherds telling the story, telling the truth, sharing what they saw in confirmation, that is worship. Because worship is just simply giving attention and giving praise to one. And that one being Jesus. So, so if you go, you know, hey, like hey, singing's not my thing. Hey, hey, worship is a lifestyle, and, and this is worship. Worship happens in our hearts towards God, and in the environments we give Him glory by sharing Jesus with others. Um, I got I got one last verse that I want to read to you before I close today. Um, and this this really is, and this is my hope for you at Christmas. Um, because I, I don't think it's, it's by accident at all. I think it's, it's really by God's design that we see this story and we see the announcement made in this, this order that it's made in and we see the shepherds live it out in that same order. And, and I don't know how comfortable you feel speaking publicly, talking to somebody about Jesus one-on-one. Um, if you're like just um, practically most all Christians, it's a scary thing for you. You probably get a little bit nervous, a little bit tight when, when it comes to sharing that kind of thing because you, you feel like if I, if, I, if I say this wrong, do I mess it up for somebody? Like, are they going to hear the wrong thing? Um, maybe you're just a little uh, unsteady when it comes to praying with somebody or something like that. Like that, that That's prominent. We, we, we know, especially in the Christian church in our country. But, but this verse out of Romans 15, is really my prayer for all of us, you and me, this Christmas time. And, and I want to tell you this, my prayer is that, that we experience a relationship with Jesus that makes doing this kind of thing easier. And before you go, I don't know if it's going to just become easy, but listen to this verse first, okay? Romans 15, 13 says this, Now may the God of, of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. My prayer is for you is that this Christmas, what you experience in your own personal relationship with Jesus, in your time alone with Him, when you when you really anchor yourself and you ground your life in some truth, the truth that Jesus saves, that he gives hope and he gives peace. And then that's anchored to just really God getting glory with our lives. When, 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 you, when you receive that and, and, then, and that God just confirms that with just a million different things in your life, not to, not to prove that he's right because he doesn't have to prove that he's right, but just because he loves you and wants to give you the grace of that, and, and I, I pray that he just, he just pours that and floods your soul this Christmas. So, so that really your response and my response is not automated. It's not, um, it's, it's not by, by force or by compulsion. It's just simply the overflow of the magnitude of what we've experienced. And my prayer in just giving God the glory and credit for things over this next week will just, it'll just be what flows out of you because you're so full. And, and you don't need, like the shepherds, you don't need to feel a certain way to overflow. You don't have to be received a certain way to overflow. But you do need Jesus. Do need him. Would you bow your heads for just a moment?
I want to I want to make this I want to extend this offer to you this invitation to you if if you know that at this moment in your life the greatest need that you have is Jesus for salvation then I want to encourage you even in this last song that it, whether you slip up here to the front or or you seek him in your own heart in prayer where you are but but you don't leave here without us having a conversation so that this journey with Jesus can begin right God's word says that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. That means we believe that Jesus did something for us that we couldn't do ourselves. That we can't earn God's love through our goodness. And we can't stay undeserving of God's redemption because of our sin. That Jesus offers a response to that and a resolution for that. And that through faith in him, we can have a relationship with God. If you seek that this morning, please don't leave here still searching, still seeking. Settle that while we're here together. If you know Jesus this morning, I want you to understand that that the design of God to fill you with peace, peace that can't be robbed and doesn't go away so easily, His design did not need for us to feel completely loved. It didn't need for us to feel completely respected. For us to get the credit and the attention and the recognition that we feel like we should have. It just required Jesus. That's it. That's it. It takes away excuses. It takes away reasons for us to doubt because it's all on Jesus. If there's anything that you'd like to pray over this morning, I'd love to encourage you to pray with someone during this time up front. Lord, thank you so much, God, for the design of Christmas. Lord, that we could see hope in the lives of people that didn't have a ton of it. God, thank you that this was what you were up to, Lord. It wasn't that they created this message. Lord, it was that you did this. You came to people that felt certain ways about themselves, Lord, and just communicated truth over top of it. And then you showed them it was even bigger than them. And, and Lord, you set these individuals on a course and a pace to do what we should do every day, that we can do every day. So, Lord, help us to do just that. God, and I pray that just, Lord, for everyone that's within the sound of my voice, that that, that will be their life this Christmas, that they will they will receive the tr- a truth, Lord, that you are speaking into their heart, that it will be confirmed. And, God, that the overflow, that the effortless... Uh, the effortless act and conversation after that will just be to proclaim, God, your goodness and your grace and your mercy that never ends, that is new every day. God, that it is Jesus, and that is where our hope lies. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as the praise team come back to him and sings?